Have you ever looked at someone thriving in their business and wondered, how did they do it? Have you ever thought that you can't have mental health and success? Have you doubted your own ability to create a financially thriving career that still has your well-being at the forefront? Well, welcome to the Boardroom Brain Podcast, where we tackle those very questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook, and I'm a clinical psychologist and speaker that takes you behind the business and inside the minds of today's most successful and personally thriving leaders. We're taking a look at our guests' secrets to success, how they bounce back when they've been knocked down, and what advice they have for you. Oh, and I've got another motive too. As a clinician and company consultant who frequently sees employees struggling mentally and knocking on the door of burnout, I'm invested in having conversations about how we can bring more wellness into company culture. I wanna make sure that everyone has the absolute best work experience that we all can have. And I believe that includes making sure our businesses are invested in their employees as people, not just as time card stampers and payroll lists. So get excited to listen, learn, and leverage your own leadership skills. These conversations will help you tap into your own bravery while helping you reprioritize your sense of well-being, both at work and when you're off the clock. So step inside the conference room with me and welcome to the boardroom. Your brain is about to get a major bonus. Jason Ginsberg is the senior digital producer for Discovery Channel, managing that network's content for the Go app and the Discovery Plus streaming service. He plays a major role in the digital initiatives for Shark Week. His background is in video production and social media, and he has written or produced web series for Home Shopping Network, Playboy, National Lampoon, Animal Planet, and Science Channel. Previously, Jason worked in social media at agencies and at the entertainment sites FlavorWire and ShowScore. In his spare time, Jason runs a comedy Twitter at the fake theme park, a satire of theme parks based on his time as a tour guide at Universal Studios. He produced a pilot for Oxygen and has written several independent films. He currently lives in New York. Jason, I am so thrilled to welcome you today. Thanks for being here. Oh, of course. It is wonderful to talk to you. Oh, well, I love that we connected over being fellow Trojans. So we have that in common. We'll share a little fight on. <laughs> for absolutely fight on. <laughs> I went to UCLA for undergrad, so I, I can't say it too, too strongly. I kind of uh, go both sides, but but I do have a very proud Trojan streak in me. So I, I understand the feeling. I married a UCLA Bruin. Oh, as a matter of fact. Okay. House divided. House divided. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. Okay. So I want to talk all about your experience. You've launched Discovery Plus. You played a huge part in that. How has that experience been? I'm so curious. It was really interesting because I, like everyone else, use these services. So it was interesting to be, not that I made the final decision, this went all the way, way up the chain uh, beyond me, but I was on the team as someone working on the sort of the user side of it. If you launch a streaming service, what do you want? What should it look like? How should it work in terms of, you know, continuous play, continue watching and suggestion and things like that? So it was interesting to go, well, we all know what Netflix is, but it was a chance to kind of reinvent the whole idea of it. And we found a lot of things that existed do do work. So it's not too unconventional, but it was interesting to look at it from the point of view of forget Amazon, forget Disney Plus. What should it look like? What, should, what does the user want? And what's best for our kind of content that we can offer people? So it was very interesting to be at the very beginning of those conversations of we're starting a, a new, something that everyone thought they knew what it was, but we really were trying to have a chance to kind of reinvent it. And I'm not saying we made a huge changes, but it was interesting to just to, to think every decision to go, does this work with Netflix? It does. Okay, we'll keep it. Or we can maybe enhance it somehow. Um, so that was interesting as, as a user, as someone going like, well, I wonder why 
Disney Plus works this way? Well, because somebody made the decision and it and it did work, and the user does uh, watch more if you do it that way. So um, it was really interesting from that point of view. Fascinating. Okay, and I'm sure our listeners are so curious to hear more about your role in Shark Week too. <laughs> Some people may be cringing a little bit or hearing the Jaws music play already, but I know you say that you do some work with Shark Week. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, all the digital side of it. So I work on, again, the, the app Discovery Go, which is TV everywhere, and then the new Discovery Plus um, on the Discovery Channel part of that, because all the networks are on Discovery Plus. I'm just the Discovery Channel person. Uh, so we all the digital, it was interesting. It was our first year this last year with Shark Week on Discovery Plus. So we had a whole a whole hub on the service just for that, which was new, all kinds of content. Some of it was only Discovery Plus, some was on linear, as we call regular TV. Some of it was on Go. So it was a whole suite of programming with all kinds of celebrities. So I was involved with basically getting it to the user, merchandising it, uh, what, the, what the copy said, where things were, when they were there, um, unlocking content, like on Go, things do not require a subscription, things are unlocked and how long they're unlocked. So sort of the what, what the user sees, where things are, where they are, what they say, how long they're there, as things move around, that was my role in it. So I was uh, not involved in production, I wasn't out in the Bahamas anywhere or Australia, just the the one of the five, one of the last people to touch anything was me. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, so maybe not swimming with the sharks anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> right. Your your whole experience with the entertainment industry. I mean, you've had quite an extensive career in a lot of different departments. I mean, you have a lot of creativity that you incorporate in producing. I meet a lot of people where the entertainment industry it feels hard to access. Like, where do I even begin? And I'm curious. I think our listeners will want to know. How did you get started and how have you sustained in the industry? I want to hear about that. It was interesting. I was actually first after uh, school in L.A., trying to be an actor, a writer too, to some degree, mostly acting. And I was in the unions Mm -hmm. and I had an agent for commercials and a few commercials and one TV show and a few plays. And that's like my my entire resume is like those seven things I just mentioned. So one thing I was doing that had some success was improv. I uh, was an improv troupe at USC. A lot of us graduated and formed a professional troupe and did clubs around LA. I could name drop some of them. I mean, the Ice House in Pasadena and the Comedy Store on Sunset, uh, places like that. So some some big places that had sketch nights Mm -hmm. and began, uh, also did Second City, the, the Los Angeles chapter of Second City. So I was doing that, and uh, we as we ended up with the National Lampoon, which was just launching its website at that time. This is, this is going as how far back we're going. So we did some videos for them. That those videos got me eventually to an agency in LA that was working coincidentally with entertainment companies and making videos for them. Uh, not only on Twitter but on MySpace. This is how, how far back we are. Facebook was just getting started to the public. Facebook, you know, was just for colleges, and then the public finally got a chance. So we were, while I was there, Facebook kind of became a thing during those couple of years. So I was doing sort of comedy videos, web series at this agency for Home Shopping Network, things for Paramount. Mm -hmm. That led me eventually to um, more social media. Uh, So video kind of became a social media thing in the early, in the sort of mid 2000s. And that led me eventually to places like Flavorwire and ShowScore doing general social media uh, for them. And that led me eventually to then and on Planet Science Channel, which are owned by Discovery. Mm-hmm. So an, an odd, uh, along the way, the acting sort of fell away, writing became more of a thing, uh, the independent projects you mentioned, like my screenplays, mm-hmm. but that trajectory didn't make sense at the time. But looking back, it all seems to be as steps along the way uh, with some entertainment company somewhere. And somewhere in there, there was the Playboy uh, comedy videos we did uh, that are just puppets mm-hmm. that, uh, that became the oxygen pilot. So yes, I've just, 
sort of stayed in that world and to be honest, had had friends, uh, people, my, my various colleagues and coworkers were in that world in some way that Playboy was through a friend, a friend of a friend who was looking for video content. So we pitched a bunch of things and they picked this one series we did for them for a while, which is added to my resume for other things, for things like Science Channel. So yeah, once for one one step at a time is how, how I got there. Just we're always trying, trying to stay. Uh, for a few years, I was in an agency that really didn't do anything with entertainment. Make it seem like just so it wasn't one continuous success story, I'll tell you. I was in an agency here in New York, my first job here in New York with an agency working with um, all kinds of, I mean, Chico's clothing and Planned Parenthood and, and all kinds of non-entertainment things. Mm-hmm. So along the way, there were some some uh, derailments, I guess you could say, but it was all, I was trying as much as I could to stay in entertainment. And yeah. uh, there, there's a lot of it, a lot of entertainment and media out there. There is. And so much of the industry I find is really about networking and connecting, you know, as a psychologist, I I help people so much of the time work through that social anxiety piece. And I wonder if you've seen that in your career as well, this ability to network and put yourself out there and be vulnerable. Um, So much of of the time, anytime we produce something and leave it to the public for their perception, there's a vulnerability in that. I wonder if that resonates for you at all. It does, certainly. Uh, The whole, I mean, just not only writing, but acting, you know, they reject you. It's you. There's, I mean, sometimes it's just your look. You don't look right. You're not the right age. Whatever it is, you know, your act, your acting is is just your instrument is you. Whatever you did was not the right fit. However, you want to take that. So it's hard after a while to not take it personally, even though they, they end up going with somebody like, oh, that was a whole different person. I get, I get it now. It was no no insult to me, but at the time, you just get told no, and that doesn't feel good. So yes, I certainly understand that and seeing it even in Discovery where that the big initiatives, uh, big shows we had high hopes for that the audience was not there or, or, or a niche audience, a smaller audience was there. And so what's up something like Discovery Plus, it can live on there forever, but maybe eight o'clock on Thursdays is not the best place for it. Yeah, mm, interesting. And so I'm wondering, I'd love to tap into this notion of, of how you do stay resilient. And one thing you'd mentioned in our in our prep work that we did together, of uh, how you handle when let's say there's a mistake that happens in front of millions of people on TV with you know maybe some of the programmer, programming or something, how do you handle that? It's tough. There is stress. The job itself, I, nothing about discovery is stressful. The, the people there are great. I've yet to meet a jerk there in f- five years now. But yes, in terms of between social media and the discovery apps, a mistake is seen by people, whether, whether they catch it immediately or not. That is something that you can point to and go, yeah, this is not just an internal thing that was noticed by three of my colleagues. Four million people, whatever happened to see a misspelling or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a matter of fixing it as fast as possible. I mean, mm-hmm. being and and we're big on you know correction of error reports and and doing sort of post mortems, not not for blame, but just to go what safeguards can we put in place because things do go to the public. It's, it's, it really is a matter of what what steps are there. What was missed? Was it automated? Was it a person? Was it multiple people? So we very from what I've seen mistakes I have made <laughs> myself and, and people around me, there's not blame as much as cause. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we just prevent this from happening? It happened. Uh, how can we prevent it from happening again? Because I think it, it, mistakes are made. I've seen it too. Uh, not to you know call out the other, but I've been on Paramount Plus and seen you know, actors' names misspelled and how many filters did that go through? We've all seen HBO Max had a recent social Harry media Potter. mistake. Yes, yeah, there you go. So, um, it happens, you know, people think that only computers run these things, all the algorithms. There are people that have to push buttons and type things. So uh, to answer your question, yes, the idea of, 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 of not to 
live in that moment so much. It's over. You fixed it. Everything is fine now. Let's look back on it now with sort of a detachment uh, and take away any kind of blame and just look at, all right, let's all as a team get together and go, where was the weak link? And there might have been multiple ones. So then how could we then just prevent that in the future? Because mistakes are going to be pushing, but you know, we have a new streaming service. Mistakes are going to be made. This right. was on you know, January 4th. 2021, it was just an entirely new thing, and no one knew <laughs> what was going to happen. So I never, there couldn't have been any experts because they were all new to the service. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, and that's something I'm so passionate about is helping us create these workplaces of wellness. And I'm really hearing at Discovery Plus and Discovery Channel in general, it's sounding like there is this culture of support that, yes, we are all human. We're learning together. Mistakes are going to happen sometimes. I'm hearing that it's this really collaborative place. I'm curious if you could speak to that on how maybe you're seeing workplace wellness mapped out there. It is. I know they, they've uh, HR is people and culture is how we we call it, and it's uh, there's great there are all kinds of initiatives. Uh, we had a lot of things happening uh, during the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. protests last year. We have a whole initiative with diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. There are a lot. It was, it's, it's a global company. We are. People maybe think, people may be surprised to know that even, you know, HGTV and, and Animal Planet are part of the company, but we are have a you know, news station in Poland and New Zealand, and we have the Olympics in Europe, and we're everywhere. So, uh, and we're about to have Warner Brothers come join the family, which is even more. That is HBO Max, and that yeah. is the DC Comics and Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we're a big company. So, they, they have are, are aware of these things and doing, from what I, from my point of view, as just a, a white guy, a, 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 a great job in that in that respect. I mean, there's certainly a lot of, of support. We have all kinds of initiatives going on, and um, there's a lot of uh, learning as well, a career advancement that the, the company holds. So that's on the HR side of it, but just within the company itself, we, we are, I certainly work with many different departments with the, the, you know, I work on the digital side, but I work obviously with the network, the Discovery Channel network itself and their programming. Marketing is a big part of it. Uh, we have uh, even nonprofit partners. If you go to Discovery Plus, you'll see things from like Nature Conservancy that are that are sort of a different kind of entity entirely. Um, we have uh, very, various clients. I work with the social media side as well. I'm not part of it anymore, but they are very much promoting our content that just that just comes to mind, and then also analytics because I do that too. I issue reports of how things are doing on the digital side. So I work with those teams of building dashboards and what, what are we what are we trying to figure out that the viewer wants. So that's four or five departments just right there. Wow. Uh, never mind the different time zones, the different networks, uh, the different countries. So yes, there's a lot of again. I'm yet to get to meet anybody who's just has a bad attitude. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's self-selecting or the company gets rid of it. <laughs> it gets it out of them. But yes, I, am, I found a lot of support in everything I've done there so far. I love that. It's so good to hear about that intentionality that it's really, it's a big part of the work in all facets I'm hearing, which is, is so great to hear. And I'm curious, you know, this is something we've all lived through in different ways going through this pandemic almost two years now, which is wild to say. But I'm curious how your experience has been. You live in Manhattan, you are in New York. I imagine you were there when everything was getting started from your and share as much as you like, you know, but from your experience in terms of mental health in the workplace, how has it been for you? Of, I'm imagining working remotely and I don't know if that's still in place for you. It is for now as New York has been 
like a lot of places has been spiking recently. So yes, we are still, it was even optional for a while. And now I think it's not optional anymore. Um, in the middle of all this, we actually were opening a new global headquarters. So as the, the office, I went, the office that closed in March, 2020, I've not, not gone back to. We have a new building, it's entirely discoveries. If you want to come visit uh, Park Avenue South, <laughs> it's a okay. great location in between Union Square and Madison Square. But I haven't been there very much because I've only been there a couple of days a week. And then even that has stopped. But yes, there, it was interesting. We, uh, I, to, to go back, I'm in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is also working from home rolling, so we're both here. <laughs> uh, we, we already had desks and chairs. We already were both kind of writer people, so that wasn't an issue. I know a lot of my colleagues were at their kitchen table for a while. Mm -hmm. But eventually, after a while, the company um, sent us things. We had the option to get standing desks, uh, chairs, and big monitors. So I took two out of those three. I like my chair, but I took a standing desk which we had in the, in the office and now at home as well. Uh, and a big screen rather than looking at the little laptop to have a nice wide screen for spreadsheets and things. That has been great on my eyes. Right. So uh, that's one thing I'd recommend uh, that standing desk has been a big thing for wellness, but mostly after lunch, I'm here to help with digestion oh, for one thing. Cool. And also when you're most sluggish after lunch is when a good time to stand up. Some yeah. people can stand up the entire day. Now my, my boss stands up the entire day and, and God bless him. I yeah, cannot. <laughs> Good legs and some good feet. Yeah, he's in better shape than I am. So that's um, yeah, it's been interesting. We have a lot of headphones, uh, as you can imagine, me, my wife, and me, and um, we do have you know a, a, another room if if need be, and we just try to organize things that way because even the, there's nowhere to go. There's not even a, a, a we work or something at this point that's safe yeah. to go to. So we really are just here mm -hmm. all the time um, and try to do meetings. If a meeting can be an email, let's let's try that. That's been not, that's good. That's good advice all year round. Yes, I love that tip. That is a good tip. Do we really need to have a meeting? <laughs> and what tip do you have, just in general, for fostering your own well-being? What's something that's worked for you these last few years? A way that maybe you feel better. Well, a, a simple answer. I hope it's maybe it's too simple. Is to take lunch. I know there's a, a drive. It seems like just in this country to to work through lunch, to skip lunch, uh, to have lunch at your desk. And I, I've, well, first of all, here in New York, it's state law. It's also federal law to take some kind of lunch break. So and so never there's that. But also just for your own well-being to step away from the computer. I mean, my the new building we have now has a a cafe on site. I'm sure everyone has some somewhere they can go, uh, whether it's in their building, next door to the building, or just you know in their apartment or house, somewhere to go to, even a different room to get a way to turn it off, to turn everything off, Zoom and Slack and all those things, and say you are away. Uh, yes, because that 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 hour or however long it is really does help to to unplug, and then you can go back and be fresh for those final three, four, or five hours of the day. I truly believe in that, never mind the laws <laughs> for different reason, but really, really does. I've never understood the idea of I'll just stick at my desk and have a sandwich and, and go through spreadsheets. That's not any kind of break. That's not probably helping you digest your food. <laughs> oh. Well, so uh, a simple thing to do is to take it. Don't let anyone intimidate you. Again, that's, you always quote the law if you have to, but I think you have 30 minutes at the federal level, but the states probably have more than that to, to step away and if you don't and if you aren't hungry or you can you can't eat your desk take an hour and do something else watch yeah. videos take a nap step away do something yes that's so great oh and i don't think that's too simple of a tip i really <laughs> do think because a lot of us i think don't always do that so i think that is great advice i'm going to take my lunches now 
<laughs> my my fun lunchtime activity is watching SNL cl clips, and YouTube just keeps feeding them to me. So not bad, not bad at all. Okay, I want to wrap up because you used to work at theme parks. I love theme parks. I think I might help keep Disney in business. Uh, and you have this amazing account, Fake Theme Park. Uh, I hope everybody goes and checks out this Twitter account, watches your YouTube videos. Tell us a little bit about that. And I'm curious if, if you've seen that improve or benefit your mental health doing it. Yeah, it's great to do. I know my first love is comedy uh, from the improv troupe and Second City and all these various videos. Most of the videos I've done have been comedy. Mm -hmm. So yes, that certainly helps throughout the day to be able to do something and get to an audience. I'm using quotes. Um, I'm used to having a live audience, but on Twitter you get likes and retweets and comments and Facebook as well. So that's that's something. It's some kind of positive reinforcement. So yes, I had my day job while I was trying to act was as a tour guide at Universal Studios Hollywood. I did several other things in the park. My main thing was that the tram tour, but the big tram, everyone knows, and little private tours as well, which are which are great. And I recommend people spend the money on the little those sort of private tours. So I was done with that, that job, and I was then at an agency in LA, and the, the agency job ended. They basically ran out of money, and I had no, I was laid off, and all this time, and it was and was new, and had learned how to do Twitter as part of that job. I had a Twitter account from this agency, and I was looking around, there's all kinds of comedy happening, all these various anonymous accounts, and sort of fake, people had, had fake in their name. It was all new. Twitter was, was brand new at that point, so doing anonymous, and people were like, who are you? Are you, an, are you an insider at this company? So I thought, well, no one's really making fun of theme parks. And <laughs> Disney's the big target, but even the Six Flags and the Sea Worlds. So I began an account and kept it anonymous, and put fake in the name, fake theme park, and just made, made up my own park. It doesn't directly reference Splash Mountain or anything like that. It's simply, it's my own made up attractions. So there are princesses, there's a studio tour, there's killer whales, there's roller coasters, there's everything all together in this one insane park where everything is going wrong. So the Twitter and the Facebook are announcements to the guests, to the public, but also they have an internal announcements to the to the employees that somehow make it out on Twitter as well. So you can just see all the internal issues with management and the unions and the characters and all those things. So it's my one little outlet. I'm not really acting anymore. I'm not, I have no agent. I'm not on stage. Uh, so there's one way to kind of flex that muscle and, um, and provide some joy to people. Uh, mostly, simply a lot of theme park employees uh, see it as an outlet and really relate to it. So that's I'm happy to <laughs> provide some joy to them. They've had a tough time. I mean, they have a tough time normally as a theme park employee, but with all with COVID and everything, it's been uh, doubly tough. So I was happy to keep it going during COVID. In fact, it's been 11 years that I've been wow. doing it every single day. <laughs> Okay. Oh yes, that is commitment. Well, I hope everybody goes and checks it out and gets a little do extra dose of joy with that work that you're doing. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Well, Jason, wow, this has been such a great conversation. I've learned so much from you. It's great to hear about your journey. I think I hope that we're all going to take our lunch breaks now. Um, and we're all excited to tune into Discovery Plus. Tell us where can people find you and anything that you want people to know in our in our close up here. Uh, yeah, I've fake theme park, all one word on Twitter and Facebook, also on YouTube. There's some uh, some music videos on there as well. I've written a few songs along the way, or co-written some songs. And then I myself am at Ginsburg, G-I-N-S-B-U-R-G. Again, I was on Twitter early, so I got the last name before anybody else did because it was way back before anyone knew what Twitter was. Uh, that's, yeah, that people want to I talk about writing and comedy and things like that on 
on Twitter and whatever you know whatever Twitter is for. I, I do that too. So yeah, and then hopefully people have not a chance to check out. Obviously, there's Discovery Networks on your cable, but also Discovery Plus is still pretty new. Uh, there's all there's free trials. There's all kinds of deals that people check it out because all the networks are there. If you're a fan of TLC or Food Network or Travel Channel, it's all part of one service. So uh, all your favorite stuff, including old library content as well as new things, are on there. So obviously I'm biased, but uh, it's worth 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 a seven day free trial, I think. Absolutely, all of our Chip and Joanna Gaines fans, I'm sure too, will be excited to tune in. Right, Magnolia Network is on there now. There you go. Well, Jason, so good to be with you today. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Boardroom Brain. My pleasure, Lauren. Anytime. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of the Boardroom Brain Podcast. Let's cultivate those networking skills starting today. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from listening and leave a comment and review to let me know what you think. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes and don't hesitate to tell me who you'd love to hear on the podcast. Don't forget that you're always welcome to watch the YouTube version of these episodes as well if you'd like to experience this conversation visually. I always welcome your feedback and I hope today's dialogue sparked your own insights. Here's to fostering those healthy brains both in the boardroom and beyond. 